The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 8. Our passage is Leviticus 8 this morning. We continue to make our way through Leviticus. We're going to be reading the entire chapter and looking at the entire chapter this morning of Leviticus chapter 8. So give your attention now to God as he speaks to us through his eternal word. Leviticus chapter 8. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil and the bowl and the sin offering and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breastpiece on him, and in the breastpiece he put the urim and the thummim. And he set the turban on his head, and on the turban in front he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waist and bound caps on them as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he brought the bull of the sin offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull of the sin offering and he killed it. And Moses took the blood with and with its finger put it on the horns of the altar around it and purified the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. And he took all the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull and its skin and its flesh and its dung he burned up with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the ram of the burnt offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it. And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. He cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat. He washed the entrails and the legs with water, and Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And he killed it, and Moses took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. 
Then he presented Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and with their fat and the right thigh. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf and one loaf of bread with oil and one wafer and placed them on the pieces of fat and on the right thigh. And he put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons and waved them or lifted them up more than likely as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar with the burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it or lifted it up for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments, and also on his sons and his son's garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments, and his sons and his son's garments with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and there eat it, and the bread that is in the basket of ordination offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. And what? remains of the flesh and the bread you shall burn up with fire and you shall not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed for it will take seven days to ordain you as has been done today the lord has commanded to be done to make atonement for you at the entrance of the tent of meeting you shall remain day and night for seven days performing what the lord has charged so that you do not die, for so I have I have been commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded by Moses. This concludes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. May God now be pleased to add his blessing to it. Well, when someone gets ordained into an office, usually there's some sort of ceremony that attends the ordination. We see this, for example, with the police officers or a mayor or a judge who gets ordained into an office that is appointed into that office. Probably the most important and biggest one we have in our nation is when the president uh, gets appointed into uh, the office where he gets sworn in. This is a big deal that involves quite a ceremony and a lot of media coverage. Well, what we have going on here is a swearing-in ceremony in Leviticus chapter 8 for one of the highest offices in the land of Israel, the office of priest. The priests were quite important because that is how the worship of God's people ascended into the presence of God. They needed a priest to bring their offerings and their sacrifice into the presence of God. They were the middlemen. And also how they were interceded for. Now as important and as glorious as this office was, as beautiful as the uniform was, they were the best 
dressed men in Israel. There sure seems to be a lot of filthiness implied. There's washing going on. There's a lot of bloodshed going on for those who are being appointed into such a high office. And we see this is not a celebration of one's achievements. This is not them attaining to something. This is God appointing them to an office through the purification that He offers. And this office not only points to the glorious office of our Lord Jesus Christ who needs no cleansing, but it also points to us being ordained and appointed as priests to our God, all of us in here who believe. And it doesn't come through us achieving something. Rather, it comes only through the purification of Christ's blood. And this shows the grace of God in that God appoints those into His service who are sinners, but who are cleansed by His grace and His blood. And so five elements to the priesthood revealing who we are as priests to our God. And they are these, cleansed, clothed, consecrated, covered, and consummated. you got to alliterate. Is it even a sermon if you don't alliterate? No, first cleansed. I guess my sermon for the afternoon sermon service isn't a sermon that I don't alliterate there. Got to break it up. So first cleansed. In verses one through five, God commands Moses what is needed for this ordination service. Uh, we see obviously Aaron and his sons need to be there. They're going to be ordained. Also, the garments made for them that they are to wear. Uh, we saw this in Exodus chapter twenty-eight. And the animals for the two separate offerings are to be brought. The bulls for the burnt offering to make atonement for them that they may serve as priests. And then there are rams for the ordination offering, something that's separate, which they eat and partake in. The unleavened bread that they are also to offer and eat and partake in. And then verse 3 says that the whole assembly, now assembly is the people of God gathered for worship. The people of God congregated for this for a particular purpose to come into God's presence. They are to be there, and they are to observe this. And we see in verse five, Moses declared that this is what the Lord commanded. This should be enough for the people of God. God commanded it; therefore, that's reason enough to do it. And this is going to be emphasized throughout uh, the passage. As the Lord commanded Moses. The first thing we see done is in verse 6. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. This likely means that their entire body was washed with water. And that's because of what we see elsewhere in Scripture. In 2 Chronicles 4, verse 2, we see the dimensions of the big tub, it's called the sea, in which they were washed. And it is 15 feet wide and seven and a half feet deep. And so they would have been uh, washed in this. Also, we see in Hebrews 10 that the writer referred to having one's body washed with pure water in context of the priests. And so the priests needed to go through uh, this washing where their whole bodies were washed because they needed 
to be symbolically cleansed from their sins, which has, which has affected their whole self. But this is the amazing thing, as I already brought out. God ordains sinners to serve Him as priests. Consider what recently happened from the book of Exodus. Aaron had just got done leading a pagan worship service involving sexual immorality with the golden calf. And yet God still calls him to serve him as priest. God does not call those who have not defiled themselves with sin, or at least not as bad as others. Rather, God calls those who are fallen sinners, idolaters, those who are pagans, to serve Him as priests, calling them out of darkness and into His marvelous light and cleansing them with the blood of Christ, revealing His grace. Now, Hebrews 9.10 refers to this priestly washing imposed on the body as, uh, let's see if you can, I'm going to give you a Greek word and see if you know what this is referring to. Baptismois. You know what that is? Very good. Baptism. See, you knew Greek. There's, some, there's a Greek scholar amongst us. It, it does sound very, you're right. This is the word that the New Testament used to speak of New Testament baptisms, which is what believers undergo. Except Hebrews 9.10, referring to the priestly washing, is an Old Testament baptism. Baptisms existed in the Old Testament. It just only applied to the Levitical priest. And so our baptism is not something that fell out of the sky during the New Testament. Remember when John the Baptist is out there baptizing? And the Jewish leaders come to him. And they don't ask the question, what's this baptism thing you're doing? We've never seen it or heard of it. No, they don't question that. Rather, they question, who are you? to be doing baptism. Are you the Christ? This is such an important thing because only the priest, the Levitical priest, got baptized. And Moses was the first one who conducted it. As we see here. And then subsequently, only the priest would do it. Well, John the Baptist was sent by God to baptize all of God's people now. Those who were confessing their sins and faith in Christ. And this is because he was preparing them to serve at God's temple, which Christ would open. The veil would be torn in two. But before that, do you know who the temple is? Well, remember what Jesus will go on to say in the next chapter of John. John the Baptist is baptizing all of God's people who profess faith in him and confess their sins. And then Jesus declares, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What was he referring to? He's referring to himself, his own body. He is the temple. Why is he the temple? Well, because he is God with us. The, the tabernacle, the temple, was God dwelling with his people in a finite structure. 
Well, this is who Jesus is. He is Emmanuel, God with us in a finite structure, human body. And so now people, the people of God, have access. They could come into the presence of Jesus. Jesus Himself coming to them. And then later on, Jesus is going to rip that veil in two so that all of God's people, not just the Levites, but all of God's people have bold and confident access to God. And so all of God's people now go through this priestly baptism. Just like with the Old Testament Levitical priest, we enter into this temple service by being baptized, having our bodies washed in the presence of the Holy Assembly that's gathered together. This is not in order to purify us, but rather it is a proclamation from God to us that He has purified us, that He has washed us clean of all our sins and impurities and made us priests to Him that we may come into His presence to worship Him. It is a vivid picture of our new identity in Christ that we have died to our old self, been buried with Him, our old self left buried in the grave and been raised to newness of life through being united to Christ. And now we are able to serve Him. It's our visible entrance into temple service, just as it was for the Levitical priests in the Old Covenant. But all of God's people now participate in this. And it's a symbol that we have been cleansed to serve God as priests. A second element to the priesthood revealing who we are as priests is clothed. In verses 7-9, through we see the clothing that is put on the high priest, which is a summary from what we saw in Exodus chapter 28. The attire of the high priest described in verse 7 of our passage is the same as Jesus' clothing in the vision in Revelation chapter 1, with a robe and a sash. And so this reveals that Christ is our great high priest. He is that ultimate priest who brings us into the presence of God, presenting us holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. And these pieces of the priestly garment reveal something of the priest's function. In verse 8, the breast piece is mentioned. According to Exodus 28, the breast piece had 12 stones on it containing the 12 tribes of Israel. And so as the priest entered into the presence of God, he carried on his heart the people of God. And this is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he does for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ cares for us. And He carries His people on His heart. He always lives to make intercession for us. He is the one who cares for us. He carries our very concerns on His heart. When He carries us on His heart into the presence of God. When He stands in the presence of God as High Priest, He has us on His heart. Our Lord Jesus Christ cares for us. Doesn't He often seem distant 
Doesn't it often seem like he doesn't give a thought to us, that he's up in heaven as a law enforcement officer, kind of, are you getting it right? That's not who our Lord is. He has us on his heart, interceding for us. Bringing our concerns before the presence of God, the Father. And he also gives us the wisdom we need. This is represented by the Urim and Thummim that verse 8 mentions, which was worn in the breast piece. Now, Urim is the Hebrew word that means light, and Thummim is the Hebrew word that means perfection. And because scholars really don't know what, what this is referring to, they just left the Hebrew terms and transliterated it into our English. But these were likely small stones or, or dice that were used to give an answer from God about an important decision. For example, kings would consult the high priest to see if God approved of their decision to go up against a certain people to engage them in war. The high priest would consult God through the Urim and Thummim, who would then give God would then give the decision through this. It would either indicate a yes or a no. Likely the stone or dice was rolled, and if it landed on a particular side, then it would indicate either yes or no. We're not 100% sure if that's how it worked, but it seems like that is the, the, the best guess given the information we do have. But this does reveal that Christ, our high priest, is our wisdom. He is the one who guides us in wise decisions for his glory. He does this through his providence. He does this through his word. He does this through his people as we consult his people and receive counsel from them. And verse 9 mentions the turban with the golden plate on it. Now, Exodus 28, this golden plate had an inscription on it that read, Holy to the Lord. And what this indicated is that the high priest was holy to the Lord, that the Lord viewed him as holy and blameless. But as Exodus 28.38 says, the high priest wears this so that the people may be accepted before God. This means that the people of God's acceptance is not based on their own holiness, but on their high priest holiness. It says that the high priest is holy to the Lord, so that the people he represents is accepted before God. You see that we who believe are accepted, not on the basis of our holiness, how much holiness we have. Even though we are to grow in holiness, and we are to strive for holiness, that is not the basis for our acceptance before God. Rather, we are accepted before God on the basis of our high priest holiness. If our high priest is holy, we are accepted. And is our high priest holy? Our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is perfect in holiness, well-pleasing to God. And that means we who are in Christ are accepted by Him. We have all the acceptance we will ever need based on the holiness of our high priest, which never changes. And those who have been made priest by him, we are to emulate him as priest. We have been clothed as priests. That is, we have been made fit to serve. 
by the righteous robe of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has clothed us, having his perfect obedience to the law counted as our own, that we may stand before him, counted righteous on the basis of his righteousness, as if we had lived his life. And so we may come into his presence with bold and confident access and having been cleansed by his blood because all our sins have been paid for because Christ bore them on the cross in our place. And so with our bold confidence and access to God, we come to him, giving him thanks, giving him praise. We come to him, not only with our own concerns, but bearing the concerns of our brothers, carrying our brothers on our heart the way that Christ our high priest does. We are to be wise counselors and seek to guide one another in the way of wisdom and godly decision making by being wise ourselves, by being well versed in God's word. And we who are holy and acceptable to our God because of what Christ has done are even to pray and intercede for those who do not know the Lord. They do not have access to God, but we do. And so we pray for them and we seek the Lord on their behalf. A third element to the priesthood revealing who we are as priests is consecration. Consecration. And we see in verses 10 through 12 that Moses was to take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle, its altar, utensils, and everything in it. Moses is to do this seven times, which is the number of perfection in Scripture. It's symbolic of that, indicating that this anointing perfects or makes perfect the things that are to be used for God. And then Moses is to anoint Aaron with this oil, pouring it on his head. And this symbolizes being consecrated, that is being set apart. That's what it means to be consecrated. Set apart is holy unto God. This symbolizes being set apart by the Holy Spirit. The anointing of oil symbolizes the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see this in 1 Samuel 16, 13, where King David was anointed as king, and when he was anointed as king, oil was poured on his head, symbolizing that he had been anointed, that he had been set apart, consecrated unto this office. And immediately upon him being anointed with oil, the Holy Spirit rushed upon him. We also see in Isaiah chapter 61 that the greater David, our Lord Jesus Christ, say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to do what he has called him to do. So this anointing is with oil is associated is symbolizing the Holy Spirit consecrating us, setting us apart in service to God. And as priests to our God, we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. First off, we are set apart by Him in regeneration. We are called out of darkness and into His marvelous light when we are born again, when we are saved from our sin and converted to God, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we must be indwelt with the Holy Spirit having the power of God within both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If the Holy Spirit is not 
at work in us, if he has not been given to us, then what we're doing here is really just a show. It's not really from the heart. We, we don't really want to serve God. We're just doing it for whatever external reason. Family has told us we need to do this. We don't want to look bad. But when the Holy Spirit has set us apart, then we truly will to do God's will, although not perfectly. We must rely on the Spirit's strength and not our flesh to truly serve God from the heart. And this comes through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and our knowledge of Him. Now in verse 30 we read that Moses took some of the blood and mixed it with the anointing oil in order to anoint and consecrate Aaron and his sons. And so we see consecration also comes through the blood of the sacrifice. And this brings us to the fourth element of the priesthood, revealing who we are as priests, and that is to be covered. That's what the word atonement means. That is, atonement has been made by Christ's blood covering all our sins. And there are two distinct offerings offered up for Aaron and his sons. We have burnt offering in verses 14 through, 19, uh, 14 through 17, and then the ram or ordination offering in verses 18 and following. Verses 14 through 17, it was a bull that was offered. And then Leviticus 29, we see that a bull was offered each of the seven days that they were consecrated. And first, Aaron and his sons, it says in verse 14, are to lay, literally lean their hands upon this offering. And this is something we've seen. This is a dependence on this offering. By leaning on something, what you're saying is you're saying I'm depending upon this. I'm placing my weight upon this. I'm relying on this thing to carry me, to do what it is going to do. And what it's going to do is it's going to remove their sins. And it is going to make them fit to serve as priests. It would come through the shedding of blood. Death is what makes atonement for sins because the wages of sin is death. So a death must occur in order to remove our sins. And the sacrifice accomplishes more than physically dying. We see in verse 16 that it offers up its best on behalf of the sinner. Again, the kidneys, liver, and fat are the best part of the animal. And it also referred to inner devotion. We use this today, don't we? When we say, Lord, I give you my heart. Or when we say my heart wasn't in it. What we're saying is, I wasn't truly devoted to this uh, in my inner being. Well, the way the Hebrews would put it is, my kidneys weren't in it. My liver wasn't in it. Their way of saying heart is to say liver and kidneys. This is referring to the inner devotion. And we see these inner, these things that refer to inner devotion is given to the Lord. It's not the priests who are doing this, but the sacrifice that is doing it on their behalf. And this points us to the active obedience of Christ. Christ not only died to pay for our sins, but He is the one who gave the Lord His heart, His full devotion to the Lord on our behalf. And so we even lean upon Him, rely upon Him to be our righteousness. We should give the Lord our full heart. We should not hold anything back. 
but we do. We fail to give the Lord our whole devotion and heart. And that is why it's a sacrifice that we rely on to be that perfect devotion on our behalf. And so we rely on our Lord Jesus Christ, who is perfectly devoted to the Lord. He not only gave himself for our sins, he also is our righteousness, perfectly delighting in God from the heart, perfectly devoted to him. He is the one that does this on our behalf, and we rely on him and his perfect righteousness in order to stand before God. And we also see that the sacrifice even makes atonement for the things that Aaron and his sons will use. We see this in verse 15, that even the altar is, has atonement made for it. Now, it's not that this inanimate object sins. Uh, rather, it's referring to the work of our hands, the things we even touch. And so we must rely on the sacrifice to cover even the work of our hands. Now, what does it say about trying to do good works? in order to appease God. Even that's tainted with sin. That must be covered by the sacrifice. And we also see this with the ordination ram, which is the separate offering, a distinct offering. This is in light of Aaron and the other priest's ordination to their office. We see two rams that are offered. One ram is offered up as a whole burnt offering uh, to cover their sins. To atone for their sins. Verses 18 through 21. Then we see a second ram offered in verses 22 and following. With that offering, the blood is applied to Aaron's right ear, to his right thumb, and to his right toe. And these parts represent the whole body. Uh, first of all, the right side was the most favored side. During that time, you know, sit at my right hand. It's, it's a favorable side. And so by having the blood applied to that side, it represents the whole. But then these parts also represent uh, the whole. The blood applied to the ear and the blood applied to the, the, the thumb represents the whole hand. And the blood applied to the toe represents the whole foot. And what this is showing us is that the sacrifice causes us to obey God. The ear as the instrument of hearing represents Aaron's ears, being attentive to God, to listen to him and obey him. The thumb represents the whole hand, referring to one's works of their hands, their deeds, which must be used unto the Lord. And the toe represents the feet, which refers to how one walks, that is, how one lives before the Lord. But this could only be possible upon the blood of the sacrifice being applied to these parts. What we are seeing here with these two rams is the double benefit of Christ's sacrifice. Not only does the sacrifice, the first ram, as represented by the first ram, remove the guilt of our sin, but also Christ's one sacrifice is represented by the second ram frees us up that we may serve Him. The blood of His sacrifice must be applied that we may be freed from slavery to our sin. The sacrifice of Christ, according to Romans 6, not only frees us from the penalty of sin, 
it also frees us from the power of sin, that we are freed from our slavery to it. And once this happened, then the sacrifice is offered up to the Lord along with the unleavened bread as a wave or a lifted up offering in verses 26 to 29. Uh, they would lift up what they were devoting to the Lord, indicating that they are devoting their service to the Lord. And then they would partake in that sacrifice. And this brings us to the fifth and final element of the priesthood, revealing who we are as priests, and that is this consummation. A consummation simply means to finish or complete something. And this happens in two ways at Aaron's ordination. First, it is by a meal. In verse 31, God commands that portion of the sacrifice was to be boiled there because that is the place in which they would eat it. It's a holy sacrifice. It needs to be eaten in a holy place. And even the leftovers need to be burned. It cannot be wasted. What's going on with this meal, though? Well, in the ancient Near East, how you consummated a covenant, how you confirmed it, how you sealed the deal, so to speak, was by sitting down for a meal. That is how you consummated a covenant in the ancient Near East. And so this priesthood with Aaron and his sons was confirmed by having a meal in the presence of God, really with God, as symbolized by a portion of the meat being burned on the altar as if it was God's portion, and then they would eat the rest in his presence. And this shows us that we as priests to God have communion with God, as represented by the Lord's Supper. When we partake in the Lord's Supper, sitting down for a meal in worship, demonstrates that we have communion with our Lord. The second way in which this was consummated was by Aaron and his sons remaining inside the entrance of the tabernacle for seven days, as we see in verses 33 through 36. Again, the number seven, symbolic of perfection or completion. Their purification needed to be complete and perfect. There is no six days, no five days, nothing short of perfection is what the Lord required. And thanks be to God, this doesn't happen by, if you're going to become a member, you need to stay in the building for seven days. It's a new requirement now. <laughs> Rather, uh, it is by the perfect sacrifice of Christ, who has perfectly consecrated us. God requires perfect consecration. This he has provided by that once and for all sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shed his own blood to forever cleanse us and set us apart as priests to our God. So we who believe are consecrated priests to our God, let us remember, beloved, this is our identity. Those who have been forever cleansed and washed in the blood of Christ, clothed in his righteousness, we, as, as 1 Peter 2 says, are a royal priesthood. We have been delivered from serving sin, Satan, and this world, that we may live holy lives in holy service to our holy God, offering up to him 
ourselves as living sacrifices, which is our reasonable service to Him who loved us and gave Himself up for us. Amen. Well, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that we would remember who we are as priests to You, even our baptism, that we have been washed clean, not by the waters of baptism, but symbolized by the waters of baptism as we entered into that priesthood in the presence of Your people. So may we remember this. May we remember who we are, that we are dearly beloved children, holy in Your sight, freed and saved from this world, saved from our sin, so that we may use our bodies as instruments, not in service to sin, but in service to You and righteousness. Help us to remember these things. Help us to remember that this is not up to us to figure out, but this is what You have done for us. We have been free, so that we may walk in Your ways. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as those who have communion with God, let's now... You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.